Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. What surprises do you bring this week? You get a cup, please? Yeah. Sorry? I don't know what you're saying. Um, sorry for that. Welcome to Scranton. This Shabbos, Shabbos Pasha's Bullock. What an amazing, amazing Pasha. It's all about Mashiach. This Shabbos is also, speaking of Mashiach, Shivasa Batamas. 17th day of Tamas, beginning of the era known as the Three Weeks. So this past week, or not this past week, today is Israchag, as will be known for of Yud Beis Yud Gimel Tammuz. Pashas Bolok. We've spoken many times. Why would a parsha be called after a fellow named like with a name like Bullock? He was not a nice man. When it's hanging at Fegelich and Bosom, literally, this is an old expression, a Yiddish expression, Fegelich and Bosom, convincing yourself that you have birds inside your chest. Interesting to use the expression with him because he was called Bolik ben Tzipar. And many Mepharshim tell us how, what, when he got that name. What was Tzipar? He indeed dealt with black magic. Rashi, in essence, tells us that he was more um, well-versed in this field of black magic than Bilam was, in essence. However, Bilam was considered the prophet of the generation, the non-Jewish prophet, and therefore he went to Bilam for his services to curse the Chaman al-Sand, the Jews. And we will discuss, of course, the conversation, the conversations, and what leads up to ultimately Bilam opening his mouth after his Duncan opened her mouth and trying to do any kind of reversal against the Jewish nation. I'd like to before I end up with a last minute garage sale of the halachas I'd like to just get into a little bit of the halachas of Shavasa Batamuz so that we don't miss this out later when it comes to the end of this year sometimes I run myself down to the last minute and then some Shavasa Batamuz is a severe fast it's not as severe as the Sarabatavis obviously but it's a very severe fast An Ainer Rachman al-Tzlan, a person that's involved with a funeral of a relative, would also need to fast.
Um, das Torah, the Torah opinion. There is no card blanche for anyone when it comes to the halachas of fasting here. Many people take it into their own, I won't say their own hands, their own judgment, and they decide for either themselves, which they feel they're not strong enough, because they have to drive up to the country, or drive back from the country, or drive around in the country, or for their wives, who are actually pregnant in the ninth month, or were once pregnant in the ninth month, and they're now marrying off that 22-year-old. <laughs> and they'd say, listen, with Lomdus, you got to be a Lomdus, also here you can say it with Lomdus, that since it's a Nidcha, fast ultimately should have been on Shabbos, Shavasar is on Shabbos, and since it's pushed off because they don't fast on Shabbos, barring Yom Kippur and Asar Batavis, if Yom Kippur or Asar Batavis comes out on Shabbos, we'd have to fast on Shabbos. So here, since we're not going to fast on Shabbos, the fast gets pushed off for Sunday. Unlike later in the year, not this year actually, in Tavshanai in Zion, we're going to experience a fast also that cannot be on Shabbos, but not we're not going to fast on Sunday, but rather we're going to fast on Thursday before, which would be Tainus Esther, and that following subsequently, because Purim is on Sunday, and therefore obviously you cannot bake the fast on Shabbos, therefore you can't push it to Sunday, Sunday being Purim, Friday is only a fast day if only Asada Batavis can be on Friday. And therefore, the fast is on Thursday, prior. Mashenka and Shivasa Batavis is going to be, if it comes out as it comes out this year, on Shabbos Kedish, the fast begins on Sunday. The fast beginning Sunday morning. Everyone, as I said before, is obligated to fast. If in event one needs, one feels, they need what's known as a heter, needs from a rov to be told, to be given permission not to fast, then one needs to ask a rov. One needs to physically call or have their husband call. And don't turn to your husband and say, call the Rav and he'll tell you, no, it's okay, it's fine, it's fine. You don't have to fast. There's no such thing. Tell him, excuse me, I'm not asking you what to cook. I'm not asking you how to cook it. I'm not asking you a shyness in my kitchen. Don't paskin for me this either. But the roof said in Sheol that this is a, that no women have to fast. It's not it's not believable, it's not plausible. There are those circles that women fast only on Yom Kippur. There are those fa- circles that women get even from the from women fast this above and Yom Kippur. I don't know where the basis is coming from. I don't know who the authority is that is allowing that. That is condoning that, rather. I'm not interested in debating it with him. Any Rav that was asked directly and specifically by the person, and the person was told by this Rav, this Meirah Rav Yisrael, that no, they do not have to fast, they have the places they ride on the shoulders of this Rav, and his Das Teda is an opinion of Teda, and therefore they can do what the Rav tells them they have to do or could do. Whether it is to eat certain amounts, 
to drink certain amounts, whatever it, the case may be. Sometimes we're concerned, a person that's teaching doesn't have enough care to, talk, to teach, and therefore it would be strenuous, overly strenuous, if the person is going to fast, the other person still needs to fast. We do not wash out our mouth in the morning of a tiny sibur. And of course we don't brush our teeth. If someone is in tremendous physical pain from that, they need to brush their teeth, they can call a rov. And the rov will give them instructions, whether it be not to gargle with the water afterwards, whatever it might be. If someone has extreme bad breath, then maybe without water they could, with some toothbrush, toothpaste. toothpaste? Or they could use, yes, or they can use Listerine, mixed with water a little bit, diluted, because the Listerine you're definitely not going to swallow. If you do, you're going to pay double the price for it. If someone needs to take medication, and they can be taken without water, it's best. If unfortunately it's a very bitter pill to swallow, they cannot take it without water, then there are those of the opinion, that you could take a spoonful of water. teaspoon, not even, a, not even a teaspoon. There are those that have a very stringent, string, great stringency in their own lives, and when it comes to fast days, they don't even swallow their saliva. Um, even if should one have such a stringency, it's not... Um, applicable Shiva Sabatamas. When a person's cooking on a fast day, we are stringent and we don't taste the food, obviously. If it's a Sudas Mitzvah that he's cooking for, some might give permission to do so to see if they need more spices or whatever it might be, salt, pepper. But obviously there should be only the minimum, minimum amount. And not even to swallow. Um, I mean, I know <laughs> things work out on schedule. I have much of bliss on the Sunday morning. And um, obviously the Suda will be at night, so they'll be cooking for the Suda Smitsa during the day. What if the person forgot? They saw their favorite piece of cake on the table, their favorite candy. They saw a cup of cold water. And they made a bracha. And they remind themselves, oops, it's a fast day. So there are different opinions. There are those that say, just taste a little bit so that you don't make a bracha of atala. And there are those that say, um, don't touch it, don't eat it, and say, Baruch Shein Kveid as one would say after a bracha. If the person only said, Baruch Hashem, and reminded himself that he's not allowed to eat this anyway, he should say, Lamdeni Chukecha, which is the Pasuk in Tehillim and Kufya Tess. If you say Baruch Hashem Elikei, then you say Elikei Yisrael Menelam Adelam, which is another pasuk. What happens? He made the bracha, and he drank. He started to eat it to drink the food, and then he realized, "Oops, it's a fast day." 
immediately upon realizing that it's a fast day, he needs to stop eating. Hmm. And the rest of the day you continue fasting. Still in all, you don't have to make this up. You don't have to have a make-up fast day because you accidentally broke the fast in the middle of the day. If he wants to, the Matafrayim says you can do it for Kapara, but it's not necessary. Um, <laughs> as they say, when you see da- very dangerous um, performers do things, don't try this at home. So please don't try this at home by taking, quote-unquote, an accidental, oops, I made a mistake and ate a piece of, a bite of my cake, my bite of my Danish. You have to also understand that by taking that bite, you're not helping yourself, actually. Usually, by taking that bite, you're going to cause yourself tremendous hunger pains thereafter, because you're going to be much more hungry if you did not eat anything substantial. Obviously, there's no problem with Negalvasa in the morning, and therefore you could touch food. However, the same din applies on Pesach, where you cannot... Why do we make B'dikas Chometz on Pesach? We make B'dikas Chometz on Pesach. Shem Yimtza Gluzka says, perhaps you'll find a nice piece of bagel, Danish, a cake, whatever it might be. And you'll say, ooh, I want to eat that. And it's something that you usually eat a whole year long, and therefore you're going to might chasom, forget that it's even Pesach, and you might eat it chasom. That would be comments on Pesach, which is a tremendous, tremendously ha- harsh love. And therefore, says the Tater, that you have to be bathing comments, you have to be beer comments, you have to clean your house out properly, so that this does not come about, you do not find any kind of comments. Similarly, they want to apply the same din here, that perhaps one should not deal with any kind of foods, because by dealing with any kind of food, one may, and it may be an entrapment to themselves, and causing themselves to eat chasashal. So there are those of an opinion that one should not even touch food. The time of the Tainus, the time of the Tainus begins from Alisa Shachar to left it says Kavim. Alisa Shachar in New York, in Brooklyn, New York, I can only tell you. On this Sunday morning, it will be 4.06. 4.05 actually. You go to Chumbe, you go to earlier moments. 4.05 and 58 seconds. 4.05 would be Alisa Shachar. And of course, Seis Kachavim is 9.05. According to the earliest opinion, there are later opinions as well, which we don't want to delve into. But you will seek your local authority. You also look up your local area. It is very simple today's days and age with uh, smartphones to be able to look this up without any problem of finding out what time locally you may start and end your fast. Just on the high note, I want to just check. Usually there's certain places where they give you actually... Times a little earlier. So, just want to see so we don't come up with this problem. Um, sorry for not preparing this beforehand. Jewish calendar. Um, Okay, 
this is wrong. Okay. It would be what would be Sunday's day, the twenty fourth, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. So if we take that date. He writes here the first ends at eight five oh in Brooklyn, New York. Eight fifty, it's earlier than what I just said before. And again, the Alitza Shach would be 3.59, 4 o'clock. Okay. Um, the person that's more stringent on themselves are those that go earlier. If you plan on waking up earlier than 4 o'clock, to have your coffee, you need to first make that condition before going to sleep, that on condition, I'm going to sleep now, to wake up at 3 o'clock so I can have my cup of coffee. Or cocoa, or tea, or whatever else you might drink. This again, like I told you, this is similar to some Gedalia, not similar to Asada Batevis. Asada Batevis would be much more stringent. Obviously, on Matzah Shabbos Kedish, one would make regular Havdalah and drink from the Havdalah. Children of 13 years and older, 12 girls, 12 years, boys, 13 girls, 12. They started to fast now, it's a hard fast. Also, even the night before. If you're traveling from Etzisrael to America, on Shavasavitamas, when you get to America, it's going to still be day. You have to wait until Zezikichavim in the place that you are now finding yourself. Now those that say perhaps that on the way, when it's night already in Israel, and you're still in flight, that perhaps you'll be able to eat. It's a long shot. So try not to put yourself into that predicament. There are those that live, that are in the countries in Russia or in... Uh, Iceland, etc., that doesn't even get dark, so they have major issues as to when the fast finish. They all have their own piskedinim as to what time they would finish, how long they would finish. It's quite a long time, though. However, someone traveling from New York to Etzisol, when they arrive in Etzisol, it'll be night already, then they can obviously break their fast even though they did not fast a full day. But there are those that are more stringent, and they would fast their 12 hours prescribed. As I said before, any shyness, any doubts, that one has, whether or not you can fast, whether or not you have to fast, must be brought before a rabbi. You must have a rabbi tell you yes or no. One needs to be careful. Some children like to start to fast earlier. One needs to be careful what age they are. Under nine, there's nothing to talk about. Over nine years old, perhaps it could help that you let them fast a few hours. Many um, Kabbalahs, the three fasts before Bar Mitzvah and Bas Mitzvah, the child needs to start to fast, they practice fasts. But once a boy and girl are Bar Bas Mitzvah, they are obligated to fast. If somebody's bar mitzvah would be this Sunday, which means that he was born Yud Ches Tammuz, not Yud Zayin, 
But since Yudzayin was on Shabbos, therefore it was pushed off. Chatechile, he has to fast. Um... Okay. The different dinam as far as cost and color, etc. Shivasvatamas. Three fasts, amongst them is Shivasvatamas. Only eating and drinking is asa, you gotta wear shoes, you gotta wash yourself, you gotta go to the mikveh, etc. Balnefesh. No one's required to be a Baal Nefesh today. Should be careful of all the other things. But Negolasa must, must be done. Some hold it. You don't. You don't blow. You don't smoke cigarettes. Something you do. I would say don't because you're going to dry your throat out anyway. <laughs> Shouldn't go swimming if she was a bedamas. Little children, baby. Someone that has a dentator with a guy, you should push it off. Should not listen to any music. Obviously, you're not going to start listening from the beginning of the three weeks. We don't listen to music generally, except for those the Sephardic community which have the dinim of Shvua Shachalbeir above, but that doesn't include the music in the three weeks. One should be very careful how they behave. Should not get angry on the day on the fast day. We should devote ourselves to Aveda, Tshuva. Don't get into frivolous conversations. By Shachris on Sunday morning, the Chazar Shatz, the Chazan will say the Anenu prayer. He will insert the Anenu between Gur Yisrael and Rafa'inu. If you forgot, then he reminds himself, middle of Rafa'inu, you should go back. And say, instead of the bracha, it's own anyway. If he didn't remember to left, he said, Baruch HaTashem, Yisrael, he does not go back for Anenu itself. But he includes it later in the Shema Kelenu Tefillah. It doesn't say it as a bracha for its own. <coughs> if he doesn't remember to say it, then say it at the end of the Shemines without any bracha, just say either Ratzin. If he said before before the bracha of Reino, then he has to go and say it again after Reino. Something you don't have to. If Mincha was done in Mincha with a Heikhish Menesa, as you say, and therefore there was no Chazas Hashats, it's a Kedusha. Then the Chazan should say, not to Akela Kodesh, but until Anenu. And say Anenu as a bracha of its own. 
the Yachid. Oh, actually, the Chazan should not say Aneinu unless six people are fasting. There's some Machmirim and they say you have to have ten fasting. Um, you don't have to go around asking everybody you fasting though. Chazan that's not fasting should not go over to the Yomir on the first day. By Mincha, by Shachas yet, I'm sorry, Slichas is said after Shemun Esrei, in the middle of Tachanun, we begin the Tachanun prayer, and then we say Slichas, Selichot. Um, the Svaradim have a minute to say Anenu by Shachas, also the rest of the Kohol, not just the Chazan. And by Mairiv, on Tishabov, the Svaradim also have a custom to say Anenu. Kriya um, is read by Shachris, Kriya by Yechal. Sorry, do not forget, by Slichas also we say the long of Inu even if someone's not fasting, they still have to say slichas. Um, this case, the tale of Ayichal without maftir for shachris. And, excuse me, and by mincha. Give it up. By mincha. Kriya Satera is after Ashrei. The Chazan will say Ashrei, Chati Kaddish. They will take out the Sefer They will lean again by Yechal. This time, of course, the third Aliyah is Maftir. One should be very careful not to get the same Aliyah twice on the same Sefer In other words, if they take out the morning, Sefer by us in Chabad is a meaning that the Chiyuv an oval uh, gets an aliyah. So if the oval is going to get an aliyah, he should, he'll get an aliyah, he'll get the third aliyah in the morning if he's a Yisrael. And then when it comes in the afternoon, he's going to again want mincha, he's going to want the third aliyah as well, which is the maftir. However, he should make sure he doesn't use the same sefetera that he used in the morning. Because you cannot get the same aliyah on the same sefer in one day. Um, in shuls that only have one sefer it becomes problematic, obviously. But one should be aware of what they are doing when it comes to this issue. Okay, now that this year became Shavas Ratam instead of Bullock, let us get refocused, please. Bullock calls in Bilam. Bilam very proud of himself because Hashem asks him, Who are these people? What do they want? So Bullock says, Ha! Even Hashem doesn't know. I have one up on him. Bullock. Then sends another group and another group to finally bring Bilam to curse the Jews. Bilam can't find himself. First of all, he can't get there because the donkey keeps getting sidetracked. He keeps getting squashed against the wall. He keeps beating up the poor donkey. After beating and beating the donkey, he finally realizes, Shem opens his eyes and he sees the Malach interfering, standing in the middle of the way. And this, of course, puts the fear of God into him. 
in the interim, before he sees the Malak, the donkey himself has a conversation with him. This fact that the donkey is talking, as we know, the the pe the p ha'oslim is created bein hashmashes out of Shabbos by sheitzim ebreishes. Shech the carbon, shech something else, slaughter this, slaughter that, make me another mizbech, make me another promise, make me, give me some more money. Negotiations are going back and forth. Until finally, Bilam agrees to open his mouth. However, being that Hashem has complete control over his mouth, we know the ultimate story that all he says are all converted to blessings. As Hashem has told him in the beginning of the Pasha, do not curse them, ki because this nation is a blessed nation. Um, very beautiful story I saw, which shows us how we need to understand that Hashem is in control of the world and follows everything that needs to happen. It's nice over a hundred years ago with the Tzanzer Rebbe, Tzanzer Rav. There's a customer, everybody knew that the person, the Chassidim, had a problem. They would go to him with their problem, especially if there's a problem with money. And he would go and he would always help them out with whatever the situation was. There's one such chassid that needed a tremendous, tremendous amount of money to marry off his daughter. Wedding expenses, the home expense, clothing. He needed 500, uh, whatever the currency was, gulden. 20 years salary, practically. He came to the Tanza. He poured out his heart to the, to the Tzanzas, telling him that I've never asked for alms, i never asked for help, i never asked for anything, but now I can't watch my daughter, Hashem, suffer. And I need this money. And he told him he's 500 gulden. So the Tzanza immediately reached into his drawer and took out five gulden plus two zeros between friends. And he gave it to him. And he gave him a piece of paper, he wrote something on a piece of paper. And he told him, travel to this and this city, go to this and this address, do not leave the house until they don't give you the 500 gold. Nope. It's absolutely sure. What more could he ask for? The more he could ask for was the Sanzi should give it to him and not send him in a wild goose chase. But, alright. He's masking. No. Travels to the town. Very beautiful house looking from the outside. Knocks on the door. And the man himself comes to the door. He welcomes him into the house. And the poor man says, I need to marry off my daughter. Ay, Haknos is Kala. The mitzvah has a special place in my heart. Man takes out his wallet and gives him 20 gulden. Ha! You never expected such a big donation, huh? Actually, I'm not taking it. When we're not taking it, I can't settle for less than 500. Are you a sugar? 500? Who gives such money? He hands him the note from the Sansa. And he's a little taken aback, but he doesn't know what to do. Who is the real boss here? Unfortunately, Real boss was his wife, 
who knew how to put people in their places when they tried to milk him for money. He had a very strong, big heart, and whatever he can give a shirt off his back, but she controlled that part. He calls down his wife, and he says to his wife, uh, "This fellow is making a wedding. A daughter is just smiled, very happy. Uh, he's asking for five hundred gold. And there's a note from the Tzanzarov. So she looks at her husband with pleading eyes, and she says, "So please give it to him." A little shocked, and he, maybe she's joking with him, maybe, and he waits, he hesitates, and finally she says, please give him the entire amount he's asking for. He asks no questions, he goes to his room, he brings out the money, and he hands the guy the money. And the wife says, Kum let's sit down, let's eat something, you must be hungry, you must be tired, and let me tell you why I gave you this money. Alright, they sit down, and she begins the story. Many years ago, I went with my mother to a chasana. And we came to this chasana, and everything was beautiful, it was set up so gorgeous and beautiful. However, we were here from the Kala side, and we see the Kala standing there, all dressed up in a beautiful gown, but crying and bawling like a baby. So we started to uh, inquire, and our inquiries brought about that the Chassan's parents did not show up to the wedding. The Chassan, the groom, is here, but the girl, the, brother, the parents won't come. And no matter where we were looking and trying to go congeal to talk to them and everything, they couldn't even find them. It was a tzara. Because they were worried. Maybe there's a problem with this chasen. Maybe the parents are not Jewish. Maybe, who knows what's going on over here. So they were not going to the chuppah. Finally, the Rav said... I heard that the Tzadzerov is here in town. Let's go over the Tzadzerov. Maybe he has shed some light. And Tzadzerov came. And he heard out the story. And he took the Kala's parents to a side room. said, I want to talk to you. He says to them, Tell me please, how many children do you have? And they said, I had kind of seven children. And he asked them very straight, Is that all the children you have? And she said, well actually one child died in childbirth. Another one, Rahman al-Islam, died at a year old. And a third one, a boy, was eight years old. And he drowned, Rahman al son. Santa says, he drowned? He says, yeah, he drowned. How did he drown? She says, the truth, I'll tell you, she says, it's a miracle he lived till he was eight. He was a Vildachaya. He would walk up straight walls. As a matter of fact, one time he fell over a gate and tore up his whole leg. We thought we'd have to cut his leg off. And he had a terrible scar on his leg and everything. And then they were out by the water, by the river, and they wanted to show off to his friends, so he jumped into the water and disappeared. He says, disappeared? He says, yeah. So you never buried him, Chashem. No, we never buried him. We couldn't find him. Aha. Fine. Then it sounds that it goes and takes the chasen in another room. And he tells the chasen, do me a favor, roll up your legs and your, the, the pant leg. And he rolls up his pant leg and you see a tremendous big scar on his leg. Sandra says, aha. He comes back out and they tell, he says, 
This is the story. Your little boy here, your chassan, when he was a little boy of eight years old, he was a vildachaya, and he jumped into the river, and the current swept him away. And the current swept him, and he got banged in the head. He suffered total amnesia. By the time he woke up, he was on the other end of who knows where, and this old couple picked him up, and they saw that he didn't remember his name, but he's a Jewish child, and they raised him. Nice Jewish child. They raised him all their lives, all his life. And here he is, ready to get married. However, they don't look like him at all. So they knew that if they're going to come to the wedding, it would raise suspicions right away. Everybody would start asking questions. And I have the answer to the question. This will not be a wedding because a brother and a sister, Chas are not allowed to get married. However, we're going to not throw everything out. We're going to make a Sudha a reunion. Baruch Hashem, the brother, has come home to the family. Tervaila, Sansa says, now he's a boy and she's a girl, they need to both get married. And the ways to use all this money. So I ask everybody here, participants, to come give me money so that this boy and this girl want to get married there'll be money for them. Needless to say, everybody wanted to get a bracha from the Sanza, they all came, they lined up, they queued up, and they started to give them the money for the Chasnakala, for the boy and the girl. She says, I came with my mother in front of the Sanza, and he refused to take money. He says, I'm not taking money from you now, when I need your money, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll let you know that I need your money, at that point you give the money I need so therefore, when the note came now with this fellow from the Tzanza, she got the message of what had happened years back by the wedding, how she had to give this money for tzedakah. Very touchy subject in this week's Pasha. One of the things that when he's talking about the Nevu and the times of Mashiach, destruction of all the Mashiachs. And we understand that this explanation of the Nevu of Bilam is talking about Malach HaMashiach. And the Evan Ezra explains it's a Lushen of Huras. What's Huras? Destruction. That the Almighty will destroy, will take apart all the Benishes, and there will be nothing left to the nations. <laughs> wow. And recently I actually had this conversation where somebody wanted to know, what do I answer to people who are asking about the Goyim, the Neshamas, the Nefashas? And the Rebbe asked that same question here. It's a shock. Destroy all the nations, all the Goyim? We say in Ashley, Taiv Hashem Lekil, Vrachmokal Maisov. The Almighty is good for everything and everyone, and has Rachmanas in all his creations. How then would the Avishter destroy Kolben Eshes? The sages tell us, Chazal say, the entire world was created because of the Teda, because of the Yidin, which are ultimately one. So what were B'nai Shays created for? 
for the Jews. For the use of the Jews. In the future. So at this current moment, we're coming out from Yebezi Gimel Tamas. The miracle of Yebezi Gimel Tamas, the redemption of the Friedrich Rebbe, was a follow-up of a pact that the Friedrich Rebbe made with nine other chassidim, Sarich bin the center, I am the tenth, and sent them all over the former Soviet Union and Kazakhstan, everywhere else, and the Odessa, to make sure that Yiddishkeit stayed alive. They clearly got caught in one shul, one yeshiva, one nothing. They opened up another one. And eight, many of these chassidim never made it out. And when the Fidi Gabi heard that a Chassid Rachman al-Sam was captured, sent to Siberia, or even Rachman al-Sam worse, he didn't say, okay, that area is too dangerous, you can't have anybody there. He immediately sent and dispatched another Chassid to continue the work there. Hence, the oppression of the non-Jewish people, of the communists, Similarly, as we spoke many times with Napoleon, that the Altarebbe held Napoleon not to be a good idea to be a conqueror of the world, because the world would be too free and the Jews need to sometimes be kept in check. So during the time of Golos, when we are in exile, we also see the use of the Goy, of the non-Jew, in that the oppression, the anti-Semitism that we are subjected to, I believe I told the story last week of the potatoes, where we see the anti-Semitism, the outright anti-Semitism of a guy, where a Jew had nothing to do with the situation or the case of the story, and yet... They were blamed. And so too here. As long as we are in exile, we don't see the actual purpose of the Goy because we say, they hate us and they this and they ends and they're worthless. And, but the fact of the matter is, they keep the Jew in check. They keep the Jew doing what they have to do. Unfortunately, many didn't fall into the trap, the entrapment, of Rahman al-Islam, intermarriage, etc. But this is all a test that we need to overcome. When Mashiach comes, and the Geula will come to the world, then we'll actually feel why the world was created. The purpose of the creation the purpose of the existence of the world. And we will see openly how all the Beneshes, all the creatures of the world, don't have their own, they're not their own entities. But rather, their existence is solely to serve the Jew. To help them with Kiyom Tena Mitzvah. So now we understand what the Avinez is saying. It's Napshat that the heroes, that the destruction of Umas Halem is to kill, that God has the plan to kill out all the other nations. But rather, these heroes by the Bnei Shays, of the Kol Bnei Shays, it will be revealed to them. Their eyes will be open to the fact that they are now in a world which is only, and it's all about Tata and the Yidin. And therefore their mission, their goal in life, needs to be one, it's to help, to assist the Jew, his Tata learning, and his existence with God. So their actual value, their actual 
what they consider themselves existing will only be because of the Jewish nation, and they will know it and they will see it. A slave. A slave doesn't say I'm an entity of my own, I'm his slave. And we know if you're keeping score at home in tradition, Chav Gimel on the base, the Rajma says, Kol Anything a slave acquires, his master acquires. This is what it will be like when Asud Lavi, when Mashiach comes. This is the Nevoah, therefore, of Bilam, the non-Jew, will at that time when Mashiach comes, realize how they are a non-entity except for the concept of the Jew and, his, and the nation. They are very frightened. Amma they said, These two mighty kings, we had faith in them, they could not stand them. They could not stand in front of the Jews. Allah has come and come to us. And therefore, Maya was frightened. And first, you ask, why do we start the Basi Vayah Bolok and say Vayogar Mayav? What does one have to do with the other? What did Bolok see that Mayav got frightened? As the guy says, Hayam Ra, Vayonas Hayardin. The Yam saw and the Yanis and the Yardin ran away. And David Melech asked the same question, Mayal Chayam, Kisanas Yardin. What happened, Yom, that you saw that the Yadin ran away? That actually is a nasty joke, and it's a joke of an ignoramus, and that's not how the Pusik says. <laughs> so we can say perhaps Rasha's explanation is here. He says we were, we were sure in them. In Pashukas, it says, Rashi said, all the Malchik Kenan went up to Sichin, and they paid him a mas, they used to pay him taxes. He was a Security tax. And the Eden said, He said to them, I can't. I have to I protect everybody from you. So now they're saying, that Bullock was not scared because of Yisrael, because the guarantee of Sichan and Egg, who used to watch over them, and there they used to pay a tax for this. Now we understand what was so frightening over here when he saw Kalashas, he saw them really still at all. It didn't awaken any special fear in them because of this, because they didn't have any idea of what the whole Shemitah was the, the, that was pending in Sichan and Eri, only by Bullock. And they were Betuchim Aleihem, and therefore this caused a Pachat Godel. So it says Vayar Bullock, not Vayar Mayov. Because only by him did this cause this fear. They were already frightened from beforehand. Anyway, it should be the Iker, the, all the all the Nevuas of Bilam at the time of Mashiach should come into fruition and we should be Zechah this very Shabbos as we were going, before we lay in Pinchas, when Allah Zubarana came, Pinchas Elio, and before the fast has to start, it should be Yahafku Yamel, the Sassim, the Simcha, and we should be in Yerushalayim, Yerakadesh, with Mashiach Tzidkenu, Sidrena Bereshenu, Shabbat Shalom to all.